There's a lot of conversation being had about modular offsite prefab and what this means for building products and those in the manufacturing space. Today, we bring on a manufacturer who is actually spearheading this initiative for his business. He shares some great insights on why this is happening and how you can stay ahead of the shifts in front of us. I am really excited because this is something that I want to make sure our listeners are learning about and thinking about and how they can begin to apply this to their business and just be aware of it. So with that, let's jump into the podcast. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. Welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, alongside my co-host, Beth Popnikoloff, and we have an awesome show for you today. We're going to be having a discussion about how manufacturers and supply chain fit or don't fit in the future of construction, and specifically be talking about modular construction. Today, we are talking with Tim Sims. He is the modular offsite segment manager at Nichiha. He's basically your go-to guru for all things modularity in the future of construction. We're really excited to have him. He's spoken a ton on this topic and has a couple other events coming up where he's speaking. Tim, thanks so much for joining us. Great intro. Thank you very much. I'm really, <laughs> really excited about this. I've been listening to the podcast for a long time and just always love the insights and appreciate uh, getting to share what little I know about the industry with your audience and hopefully it's helpful. Very cool. So Tim, for our listeners, maybe you can just give us a little bit of background about your role at Nichiha and how you arrived there. And then we can dive in and talk about modular construction. Uh, Nichiha is a Japanese company. And what's interesting, Japan is close to 20% of construction is built offsite. It's offsite prefab form of modular of some sort. So there's been a lot of experience with that, and I was always curious about it. And then, of course, it's all over our industry now, the future of construction, the future of housing. There are several events, uh, just a growing number of events that are around this this topic. And so I started to go to some of them, started to listen to a few different podcasts on the subject. Then we started working with a couple of the larger players in the market. And one new one, of course, everyone knows the name, Katera. And going through that process, we realized that we needed a different approach than just our standard approach. So from a go-to-market strategy, from a pricing strategy, everything to do with logistics, there's a lot we still don't know, but we're trying to leverage some of our experience in Japan along with the relationships we now have. And also one big thing, well, I guess we'll circle back to later, but one thing we realized is that we needed a champion at Nichiha, they had the time and focus and resources to put into this. So starting January 1st, I started as the segment manager for offsite prefab modular construction. And so there's been a great learning experience and some things that we talk about today will be things people can use in their business right away, whether they're a manufacturer or a supplier. You know, what I think is interesting, Tim, is at Nichiha, and this is something that's happening across the board, is companies say, hey, we see modular offsite housing as either a potential threat or opportunity. And you all are saying, yeah, it's an opportunity, but it's so much of an opportunity. We actually need to put more resources into it, actually put man hours, time, resources, whatever it might be. Can you talk about how you arrived at that decision? Yeah, I think after talking with several people, there's so much confusion amongst manufacturers, my peers, 
and our suppliers. Also, there's a lot of people like, yeah, we've had this conversation before, you know, 20 years ago, modular was going to take over the world and put everyone out of work. And here we are still building onsite, but things are different. There's a different feel. There's a different electricity in the air, for lack of a better term. And there's a ton of data to back up the challenges that builders and developers are facing, whether it's the labor shortage or costs of inefficiencies. One catalyst, anyone that hasn't read it should go to McKinstry's website and download their report, which was released in 2017. It talked about basically that huge amount, trillions of dollars of inefficiencies and the last industry, which is the building industry, to adopt new technology systems and process. And when I read that, I started talking with my boss, my boss's boss, and our CEO. And I said, you know, we need to do something about this. And they said, okay, why don't you do something about this? <laughs> and so um, we created a charter for the role. And a lot of it has to do with research into sorting out just exactly what these different segments within the segment are or sub-segments. And then what they each need. Uh, everyone needs something different. But it's all around that theme of reducing inefficiencies and chaos and increasing throughput through whatever means possible, whether it's technology, robotics, or a different approach to labor. So that really was the catalyst for us to say, look, we have this experience in Japan. Can we duplicate it? If we can't, then what does North America need from us? What do these folks need from us? There's so much funding behind these projects and capital raises that have never been done before. It's just a pivotal time. It's you know, people that say it's been done before, not this way. It's a totally different market right now and totally different need. So uh, before it was a nice to have, now it's a need to have. Can you talk a little more about the things that you're discovering as you're spending time digging in, figuring out what are the needs to have? So you've mentioned that, you know, the market is a little bit different. Adoption feels different. Manufacturer response is different. Consumer response is different. Can you talk a little bit more about that? One of the biggest things for most of these folks we talk to is a common theme is the friction in the supply chain. And that is about pricing or lead times or product or assembling these kits of parts for these folks. They've gotten so much pushback from the channel and there's a lot of margin that's sort of tied up in the channel and they just want to disaggregate that. It is disaggregated, but they want to aggregate that whole thing. So all these conversations really initially start with, can we buy direct? That's usually the first need. And manufacturers either can adopt or not adopt that. But if they don't adopt it, then what is their solution? Is it to work with suppliers and partners to reduce that friction altogether, but still have that intermediary? Or is it to walk away from the business and let somebody else sort it out? The initial need is at least the conversation directly with manufacturers. And then everything is about reducing the amount of players in the middle because that just infers margin, uh, unneeded cost, yes. But mostly it's turnaround time of just the conversation. And just to get a quote, you might go through three or four people and it takes a week to email back and forth and talk, get back with the manufacturer and then get back with the supplier and then get back with modular home builder where they could just have cut down on that time. There's a project in New York, another one that just got finished where they're building a hotel in 90 days. There's no time in that conversation or in that schedule for two weeks of back and forth emails and phone calls and voicemail. So a huge need is just to reduce the time component. 
I think cost is this actually a secondary issue, the actual price. It's the cost of time is pretty big. And then the other long-term need that, especially I would say the cash raisers, because they're usually the innovators, they want to have conversations with manufacturers, suppliers, and resellers about R&D. For instance, you know, are we stuck with this size of product? Are we stuck with this assembly? If we started today, what would we do with this product? to achieve our design intent, to reach our budget qualifiers. How can we make these things happen without thinking of the history of our business? And I think that that's the larger conversation that everyone's begging for. What's interesting though, is that I'm finding that I have to persist in that conversation. I'm ready to roll up my sleeves. We are, our whole team is, but everyone is running at such a breakneck speed and, and such high demand. The pipeline's huge for many of these folks they actually haven't had time to slow down so we can have those long-term conversations. So right now, folks should be focused on how can they make the purchasing easier? How can they make the logistics easier? How can they simplify the product line? There are some things, some low-hanging fruit folks can do to componentize. For instance, one thing we've done over the last two years is our typical package on architectural wall panels would require 10 to 11 line items. And we're down to six or seven. So that simplification is huge. Our price has actually gone up, but we simplified the system. So that is an opportunity for manufacturers if they look at it from that perspective. And another thing that modular offsite prefab folks need is someone that knows the industry, not the building industry, but manufacturing homes offsite, manufacturing what is volumetric and non-volumetric uh, what does the kit of parts mean? You know, get used to the glossary and the standards. So to highlight, they need somebody that is their point of contact for a manufacturer or a supplier that knows modular offsite prefab. And they need to simplify the product line and their offering and aggregate what they can. And then really simplify the purchasing. Doesn't necessarily mean buy direct from a manufacturer, but often it will. So how can the supplier in the one-step and two-step distributors add value so that they can be part of the conversation and solution? I think those three things are the big, uh, important needs for the industry. There's a lot of the micro stuff, but those are the macro. Tim, you said something a second ago. You just said kind of in passing, but I think it was really, really critical to the state of where building products is. And you said, we can't look at our company through the lens of our history. We have to look at where the industry as a whole is going. And I think that that is, if you were to sum up where building products is right now, like that is the pushback that we're seeing with modular building is that, oh, well, either A, it's been tried to be done before, it didn't work. Whether that was like in the 1910s, 1920s with Sears, all the way to like 10, 20 years ago, or, you know, recently in the last 20 years, it just has never worked. Or two, we've never done business that way. It's not going to work for us. But I think that if you're saying we can't look at our history or look at our vision through our history, we've got to move forward. What is the, the crux of the problem that you think that modular construction is solving? Like, What is the problem at hand that needs to be solved? And why is that fueling so much innovation? Why is that fueling investment and money, as you said, being thrown around? What is that core problem? There's basically two conversations going on. One is demographics, and that is what is the workforce going to look like in five to 10 years and 20 years? And they're just not, unless education system does something different, 
there are not enough people getting into construction at the trade level. So addressing that future labor shortage in anticipation of that is solving that problem. So we're going to bring in the construction process to a manufacturing facility, and we're going to hire a different caliber of worker, a factory worker, which is not as difficult as trying to get someone from the trades out in the field. The second thing is, I think it's pretty interesting, you know, in a lot of factories in Japan, women run the large machinery. There's a couple of reasons for that. One is they've embraced women in the construction workforce in a lot of the world. And factory work allows that to take place at a larger level. Plus, they found that guys are pretty hard on machinery. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so they've sort of addressed that. And I think that we can get a different worker into the construction industry through modular offsite prefab. And so that's pretty interesting. That's the demographic challenge of the future of late. Even though it's a process problem, there is still a labor shortage. And to get to the number of houses we need and homes and structures to support that infrastructure, they need to address the future labor problem. I think there actually are enough workers right now. They're just misused. You know, we don't use them very efficiently in the field. So addressing that process now, but the labor shortage to the future. And then the other thing is when it comes to, let's say you're a developer or a, a hotel or apartment developer, or let's say you are a single family developer, I guess it would apply in all those ways. The incentive to get those built fast is from cash flow to heads and beds in the hospitality industry. They need to get those doors open. They need to get, for instance, if you're in building student housing, if you miss the August leasings, you have to make all sorts of concessions to fill those units. So you have to be done, finished in July. And your leasing agents have to be able to say with confidence in May or June that those units, people, students will be able to move in and get ready for school. Hospitals, there's a huge need for those. Getting back to demography, the baby boomer number, people over 65 is growing. And while they're a really active generation, the needs for these diverse medical facilities is huge and they need them fast. Like the pipeline's monstrous for that. They're just not finishing them fast enough to care for people in key areas. So the speed of construction actually affects people's quality of life and it affects large REITs and it affects the home builders. It all trickles down in the industry to the one-off custom home builder all the way up to the large, largest developers like Avalon. So the speed of construction and the demography, they're intertwined a little bit, but those are the two most important categories that add impetus to the effort. So Tim, we hear all the time about the labor shortage. It's a problem for tons of manufacturers, for builders. It's just a problem across the building materials channel. Do you think that modular prefab offsite and the adoption of that right now is a response to that labor shortage problem? It is a response, or at least was initially a response to that labor problem or perceived skilled labor shortage. I don't know who said it first. Maybe they both claim to say it first, but I heard both from Todd DeWalt, who has a podcast in the construction industry, and Jerry, who's the CEO of Integra, which is a prefab uh, panelized builder. The quote goes like this. We don't have a skilled labor problem. We have a process problem. I think if there's one thing that sums up the misconception about the need for 
modular offsite prefab in the construction industry and the innovations that that infers, it's bigger than that. It's really addressing a process. There are enough construction workers right now. There won't be in the future. So it's good to be ahead of it. But right now, it's a process issue. You just go to any job site and stand there for two hours and you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Tim, you are at the front lines of trying to make Nichiha more relevant in the modular offsite construction arena. Can you share with our listeners what advice you would give them if they're trying to say, hey, we need to start going down this road. We need to consider it from a manufacturing standpoint, from a marketing standpoint. We need to get ahead, whether that's partnering with other companies or things that they need to change from a manufacturing standpoint. Like, What advice would you give them? I would advise that manufacturers or suppliers of any industry or any trade, I should say, that they elect somebody or appoint somebody to, at least on a part-time basis, become the expert. So there's a HVAC company in Bellingham, Washington, and they had somebody about three years ago that they named as the prefab expert at their company. And his name is Josh. And he had no idea what this was about. But they ended up doing huge runs of HVAC systems in terms of ductwork and other parts of the systems and components. I don't really know that business that great. Doing it offsite. So I think it starts with, and that success started with naming somebody that can own it and be responsible to go to the events, to get to know the players, to reach out to people. There's one community. If there was ever a sense of community in the building industry, that's not politically based, it is the modular offsite prefab community. So I have not reached out to one person that has turned me down to give me information. Everyone's great. And if anyone wants to contact me, that's great too. And I'll share what I can. I would say that's the first step. The second step is look at your purchasing process. For instance, if someone came to you today and said, I want to buy a thousand windows from you and my problem is I don't want 20 vendors to handle the flashings and the waterproofing and, and all these different things. We're going to be doing these in the factory. Here is a million dollars in cash in briefcases. What would you do? How would you handle that sale? Really think about it. It's kind of an exaggeration, a hyperbole, that example. But they really need to think about that, how they can reduce the friction in their purchasing process. Even if that means rolling in one of their suppliers, say, we're going to team up on this and we're going to make this easier for these folks in anticipation of the conversation. And then the last thing I would do is if I'm a supplier, not a manufacturer necessarily, but suppliers have this issue of wanting to or being worried about being counted out. The ones who realize this is a, a real thing, they don't want to be on the outside looking in. One challenge on-site and off-site builders have is TMV, too many vendors. And you end up with scope overlap and scope creep and a ton of issues. So if a supplier can aggregate a solution, maybe it's a multi-manufacturer solution, they can add value with that. So I would say start to think in terms of that long-term. If you're a supplier, a manufacturer, think about how you're going to address the purchasing conversation. We sell both direct and through the channel. And so we've just embraced that we're going to have conflict and think what the channel, the distribution channel in the context of Nichiha has experienced is that a rising tide lifts all ships and their business is up, the direct business is up, 
and we're continuing to get closer and closer to the end user. So manufacturers should think about the end user, suppliers should think about how they can aggregate and add value. So Tim, you said something there a second ago about becoming the expert either in your industry or your company. How does someone who's listening, how do they become the expert in their space? There's a big focus right now on thought leadership. And it's kind of a warm and fuzzy name for becoming an expert, but it infers that we're getting ahead of a trend or that we're seeing the future that isn't here yet. And I think that starts with, I talked earlier about the community of modular offsite prefab and how close it is. Everyone's really tight knit. Most folks know each other and it's kind of developed into a culture. And so what is the basis of every culture? It's language. So become an expert is develop a glossary. And I'd love to sit down and actually write out a glossary for modular offsite prefab and some of the definitions. So you can find them from different sources like the Modular Building Institute. There are several trade industries. You can follow different groups on LinkedIn. They're really good. And get used to some of the terms about innovation, like future of housing, future construction, and also get used to terms like flat stack, kit of parts, and inline manufacturing, and volumetric and non-volumetric, and understand the differences in the, in the industry. And by making yourself really familiar with those terms and what they mean, it'll be easier to have conversations and get appointments and really be able to talk to people that can, you can get in a room with and work on solutions. Most of these folks are willing to sit in a conference room and go like, okay, let's start from the beginning. How can we make this work? So if you don't know the culture, the community, and the language, then it's going to be like going into a foreign country and you don't know the language. People will be nice, but you might not get what you need. You might not get to where you want to go, and you're certainly not going to be able to help them get where they want to go. Who do you think is the most at risk for being left out or left behind? I think the most at risk of being left behind is the independent lumberyard and the two-step distributor. So one-steppers are already very close to applicators and installers. And two-steppers are selling to lumberyards in bulk or their specialty distributors. And they're pretty detached from the end user. Everyone's trying to get closer to the end user because the customer experience is so tied up in that interaction, that if you're detached from the end user, regardless of your industry, you're at risk. So Tim, what, what about from a manufacturer standpoint? Do you think any building product manufacturers are severely at risk or is it primarily just those in logistics and, and supply chain? From my point of view and what I've seen so far, I think that the manufacturers that poo-poo this or they uh, discount this... <laughs> The manufacturers that discount this as just a movement that is going to go away, a fad, a trend that is going to have a shelf life, then I think they're going to be at risk. The manufacturers that depend solely on their distributors for the activity in the market, like independent reps, or that they depend on a two-step distributor to handle all their marketing activity, and they pay them a marketing co-op you know, three or 4% every year and say, go sell. I think they're at risk because they're just not close enough to the end user. 
So disintermediation isn't always about uh, selling direct. It's mostly about the conversation. So those who aren't willing to have the conversation or at least be curious, then they could be in trouble. That's a multi-player segment of business. Like you sell a commodity, for instance, uh, others will get involved. So, you know, you have to choose of how you're going to have that conversation. Man, Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been really insightful. If anyone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to connect? So they can reach out to me through LinkedIn, just Tim Sims, S-E-I-M-S, or tsims at nichiha.com. Awesome. Well, that's today's show. If you want more great content like this, go to venvio.com slash podcast. Until next time, I am Zach Williams alongside Beth Popniklov. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnikola. To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit venvio.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.